All right. Shalom and welcome, everybody. Um, bit of a mishap earlier. We recorded this episode, and then um, there was no video or audio coming through on Rumble. So I had to go and run a little bit of a test before the broadcast and all that stuff, make sure everything – we're redoing the whole thing. <laughs> All over again over here on Rumble. And the thing is that I hate that I lost that audio because I, I got to say that that was probably one of my best horror portion teachings. And you guys didn't get to see or hear any of it. So we are giving it another pass through. And hopefully let us just stop and pray. First of all, Father Hashem. I just want to thank you for bringing us all together and giving us a second attempt at uh, going and putting out this Torah portion teaching, Father, for Acharimot and Kedoshim. And, um, Father, I ask that you help that the audio and the video of this is able to go through this time when it wasn't able to go through before. I ask, Father, that your Holy Spirit come upon me and that uh, you help me to get through this teaching a second time. And that you have your presence with me through this teaching. I ask these things and pray these things in Yeshua's holy name. Amen. Okay. So, real quick, before it is we get started, make sure to go and check out guitarrabbi.com. The link is in the description. Over there, you can get the audio MP3 versions of these teachings as well as other teachings that are not in video form. They are all right there, absolutely free. There is nothing to sign up for. You can go and download them individually. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We are going to be sending it out to other places as well, not just Apple Podcasts, but um you know, all the other podcast providers as well. We are going to be sending it out over there as well. All right. So all of that out of the way, one of the things that we have to realize here is that whenever it is that we do a, a tour portion and then we got, we had two last week and then we have two more this week. We have Akharimot and Kedoshim. We're going to be focusing in mainly on Akharimot. Okay, and a verse within that of Akharimot and a premise that is within that of Akharimot. We're going to be focusing in on that. We may do another one that is more center focused on Kedoshim later in the week. That is definitely a possibility that we will do that. Okay, so if you're saying, you know, it's labeled Akharimot and Kedoshim, but he's just doing Akharimot, you know, it, it, we might do something else as well. Okay later on in the week. So I'm glad to see that our people are coming back on Rumble. We got some viewers over there. Great. That is awesome. I thank you guys for being there with me through the second pass through of this teaching and all of that. Um, so first of all, by the way, if you guys hear that, that is my blood sugar being high at the moment. It is not low. I know many people know what that sound is, but I have just gotten, gotten my insulin shot, and uh, we're good to go. It's fine. All right? So, nothing to worry about there. So, let us go to – well, the thing I wanted to mention first is that 
whenever it is that you have a Torah portion the week before, you need to carry on over those things with the understanding of the Torah portions that come after it as well, because all of these concepts are tied together, not in a chronological form, but rather in a narrative form. That's the way the Torah operates. Many books of the Bible operate in a chronology. The Basarot, the Gospels, and the Torah do not go into a chronology of this happened first, then this, then this, then this. These are Thoughts and ideas, halakha, all of these things are tied together in a manner to where it is that you carry on over the things that it is that you've previously read. Okay, so last week, just to recap, we talked about Lashon Hara, Motsi Shemra, its relation to that of Negezorot and Metzorah. We talked about that even though your Bible says leprosy, it is not the leprosy that it is that we are accustomed to today. It's a spiritual condition that manifests in the physical. Okay. But the whole portion dealt with Motsi Shemra and Lashon Hara. Okay. And so going into this, we have to understand this. As we are going into Ahurimot and Kedoshim, because these ideas are tied together. Okay. And I'm going to help you guys out through this study here today, as it is that we look at tying these things together. All right. So we are first going to go to Vaikra, Leviticus chapter 16, verse 7. And it says, Vilachach. Uh, Et shene haserim vi ha or vi hemid otam lifne adonai patach shel moed. Okay, he should take the two goats and stand them before God at the entrance of the tent of meeting. These are the two goats. One is for Hashem. The other is for Azazel, for the other side. The side that is in opposition to Hashem. Let us go to the Talmud. In Yoma 62a, it says, two goats, the mitzvah is to take two goats that are similar in age, height, and appearance. They need to be the same. Two goats is the mitzvah. They have to be similar in age, height, and appearance. Okay? You cannot differentiate these two apart. There's only a slight difference between these two goats that is mentioned in a slide that we will bring up later. Okay? The Talmud is not telling us really much of anything that we don't already know here. This is not something that we don't already know. But it's a good jumping off point when we get to the words of Rebbe Nachman of Breslev. In Lekutei Halachot, notwithstanding the fact that they are identical, one goat is dedicated to God and the other is dispatched to Azazel. In the same way, falsehood can make itself look like truth. And one might not be able to differentiate between them. Therefore, the goats were drawn by lots. The Jews relied on God to reveal which goat was for holiness 
and which was for the other side, the Sidra Akhra. We too must rely on God to show us the difference between falsehood and truth. You know, one of the things that when I started going and studying with rabbis before it is that I converted way before I ever got ordained is I was wanting to initially, I just wanted to learn. I wanted to learn why it is that I was wrong on this, that I want to know the real ways of God. That's what I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn the ways of Hashem. There were studies that I was doing through, uh, at the time, Skype. Some were from Chabad. I, I went to that one for a little while. Then I went to one for, with Breslev for a little while. And the thing that really drew me to Breslev was this premise. The Holy Spirit. Ruach HaKodesh. You're saying that the Holy Spirit you know, told you to go and do Breslev? In some ways, yes, but that's not what I was really meaning when I articulated that. Here's what I mean by this. I wanted to be able to see God in every aspect of my life. When something happens in my life, I wanted to, be, I wanted to know what God is doing in my life. What is it that he's trying to show me? You know, I, I want to be able to see God in every single aspect of my life. Chabad was like, here's the knowledge. Breslev to me, was more like, we're going to help you to see Hashem. We're going to help you to see God in every aspect of life. That was the move of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit causes us to look at ourselves. The Holy Spirit being upon us goes and causes us to look at our trials, our tribulations, anything that it is that we're going through. And say, God, you are in the midst of all this. When we spill a cup of coffee, we're saying, God is doing something here. When we go and we pray before it is that we, you know, eat our food or any of these things or afterwards, we say, you know, we are acknowledging Hashem in all that, in every single aspect of life, the mundane, the religious, Every single part of our life, we are having God's Holy Spirit direct us and show us how it is that we should live our life. Habat or Breslev is big on connection with the Holy Spirit. With the Kohen Gadol here, the Holy Spirit of God, he would have a coin in one hand for Hashem, one for Azazel. One was put in the right hand, the other was in the left. And then, you know, upon opening, they would see what, what goat was for which. The Holy Spirit was upon that of the Chohen Gadol. The Talmud says that the Holy Spirit of Hashem was upon the Chohen Gadol and upon that of the Bais Hagmikdash, the Holy Temple, until the death of Shimon Hazadik. Until then, the Spirit of God was within that of the Holy Temple. Okay? This is big. This is big. And this is a premise that we must 
understand. Because this is a premise that carries us on over into understanding this Torah portion and understanding what it means for each and every single one of us as we continue on. We're going to go to Rebbe Nachman of Breslov again. Okay. And upon that, uh, the top part of the, my screen is uh, covered by the, the, the doohickeys there. So I need to go to my phone here. Two goats, the mitzvah of the two goats, required animals whose appearance was exactly alike. When the Kohen Kedal placed lots upon them, he prayed that the lot upon which was written for God came into his right hand. While the one inscribed for Azazel went into his left hand. Now, this is important here. Okay, we're going to look at some Hebrew. Az refers to Azut. It's not the same word, but it refers to it. Az means goat. Azut means boldness and brazenness. Boldness is the azut of holiness, the right side. Brazenness is the azut of the other side, the left side. Or the sitra achra, considering that they capitalized other side here, which relates to Azazel. The lottery showed that it is nearly impossible to distinguish between boldness and brazenness in any situation. One can only pray that he makes the right decision. The lottery was performed on Yom Kippur since our fasting on Yom Kippur rectifies Adam's sin of eating from the tree of knowledge. Adam's sin represents the arrogance and the tree represents Haman. Okay, Haman was not a good guy, by the way, an arrogant person who also drew lots, as we see in Esther 3, 7. Therefore, the rectification is affected through a lottery performed by the Chohen Gadol, who represented humility. One of the things that we talked about last week is how it is that going to Hashem in humility, striving to be closer to Hashem through humility is what wipes Lashon Hara and Motzi Shemra from our mouths. It requires us to not even have to think before it is that we say anything because we have killed the Yetzirah within us. Okay. There is a reliance upon Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, when it comes to the Chohen Gadol. When it in relation to that of the goat for Hashem and the goat for Azazel, there is a reliance upon Ruach HaKodesh and saying, Yes, Hashem is going to get it right. Hashem is going to direct this. Hashem is going to put the right lot into the right hand. And it's not even questioned. Not even questioned. Because it is an understanding of knowing the power of Ruach HaKodesh, of the Holy Spirit. But we see the word Az and Azut 
A person who doesn't know Hebrew could say azut is the plural form of goats because it ends with a tav. So it could be the plural, but it's not. There's a reason why Rabbi Nachman shows how these words are related, how it is they are similar. And how it is that we have to make sure to be very careful in terms of these things, the declaration of anything. We have to be careful because a major mistake could happen here. Because Azurim and Azrut, one ends with a mem, the other one ends with a tav. Both of those letters signify plura uh, plurality, but one is masculine, the other one is feminine. To get those wrong would totally have the entire mitzvah just totally obliterated and incorrect. The thing that came to my mind. Upon looking at this, reminded me of something that I've talked about at great lengths in my teachings. And I always talk about this in Tractate Sukkot. Or not Tractate Sukkot, uh, um, within that of uh, uh, Parshish uh, Shamos, rather. I had a Talmudic Tractate and then I had a... Oh, goodness. And it's this. God's name spelled yod K vav K. We say Hashem. Why is it that we say Hashem? Because the Halakha says in the Mishnah that nobody who recites the four-letter name of God the way that it is spelled will have a share in the Elom Habab. Because upon the death of Shimon HaZadik, the Holy Spirit of Hashem had left the priesthood and had left the Ba'is HaGmikdash. We say Hashem. We say Hashem out of humility. But it's interesting. When you look at different groups people become a part of a group and they start to assimilate to one another. And this could be for the good. This could also be for the bad. Okay. We talked last week about how the sages say that whenever it is that we commit to Lashon Hara, Motsi Shemra, our words are, are, are suspended in the cosmos and they affect somebody somewhere. You want to know where cancer comes from? It comes from Lashon Hara, Motsi Shemra. You want to know where death and destruction come from? It comes from Lashon uh, uh, Hara and Motsi Shemra. You want to know where disease comes from? It comes from, from Lashon Hara, Motsi Shemra. Sickness comes from those as well. Any kind of atrocity comes from those things. And the thing to realize about that is that the witches realize this. Those who are engaged in witchcraft 
they realize this very thing. They realize that words do indeed manifest. For things that are tov, things that are good, things that are raw, things that are evil, they manifest. So when they do the things that it is that they do, certain things have to be pronounced a certain way to fulfill whatever it is that their evil's goals are. Has to be done a certain way. There's a group of individuals who think that there's an extra vav in the name of the yod K vav K. And they pronounce it hova. You have to have a double vav for this because you have to have a vav with that of a cholam. And you also have to have a vav with a patach or a kabat. The cholam by itself is a short form of where it is. There would not be a, um, a cholam, but there would be an extra vav in documents that do not contain nakud. Hova means destruction. Now, it's interesting. There's an entire sect of belief known as the Jehovah's Witnesses. They see themselves as Hebrew scholars. Oh, the documents say, say, you know, a Hebrew variation of that, which actually means God is destructive and is full of destruction. He seeks to destroy. Notice that that group of individuals is counting on destruction every single year or every single couple months. Their sole idea is, is destruction, but they're going to be saved because they're all a part of the hierarchy of the Jehovah's Witness religion. And those who are the hundred and what is it? They they do the hundred forty four thousand. They say that's them. Is that is that right? Their goal is to be one of those through their knowledge, so they can make it through the ranks of the Jehovah's Witness cult, and then and then they prey upon that of the destruction of the rest of the world. This is arrogance. This is wishing destruction. This is proclaiming destruction. This is the thing that that group focuses in on. Destruction. This person is going to be destroyed. That one's going to be destroyed. Time to destroy this one, that one, and so on and so forth. Destruction is the thing that is manifest. Then there's another group as well that believes that there needs to be two extra letters. And within that, they use the word hua. Hua, which means deceit and trickery. Their idea is that God's name is God is deceit and trickery. The interesting thing about with this group is they think that the earth is flat, we're living in a computer system, that we're living in the movie The Matrix. 
They think that uh, alien invasions are a part of the Bible. They think that um, anything that is peer-reviewed and that is scholarly is wrong. The Jews are speaking Hebrew wrong. They don't know how to speak Hebrew. They believe that the, uh, uh, the protocols of the learned elders of Zion was correct. Though it is even the Russians say, yeah, that was propaganda material that we made. It's, 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 it's BS. They've said that. This is where all of the conspiracy theories of the Jews control Hollywood. The Jews control the banks. All of this stuff. This is what this group believes. They believe that your Bible is wrong. That if your Bible doesn't have their variation of the four-letter name, then it is a deceptive Bible. In fact, they have taken King James Bibles, done a search and replace. Every time it says God, they replace it with this variation of the four-letter name. They claim that this was translated not from the text you guys use. Okay, they're just using deceit and trickery here. And saying this came from a Paleo-Hebrew manuscript that nobody's ever seen, but I have. <laughs> oh, interesting. Can we see pictures of this? And it's written on notebook paper. This has been shown many times and has been making the round. Deceit and trickery is the thing that manifests. Because of the fact that they are constantly putting out these things as truth. This is truth. Destruction, deceit, and trickery is truth. Let's proclaim these words of deceit and trickery and of destruction. These things become a part, and people are often tricked by these things. This is why Rebbe Nachman goes and shows how it is that Azu and Azut are related. They're related. But the thing that came to mind through Ruach HaKodesh, through the Holy Spirit, was that also what was being shown was that they are not at all in any way the exact same thing. This is why it is that we have to be careful when it comes to the concept of a Navi Shekhar or a Navi Morey, false prophet, false teachers. The spirit of Hashem, the Holy Spirit of God rested upon that of the Cholin Gadol. This is why in the Mishnah, it says, choose for yourself a rabbi. For the Christians that are watching this, this would be like, choose for yourself a pastor. Why? So it is that you don't go out starting a cult. So it is so you don't go so far off the derech. You have somebody over you who is watching over your walk, who is helping lead you in the right direction. 
Many people, many people in the Torah movements, they, 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 they go and they say, you know, the, the, the Sanhedrin, it's the very thought of a Sanhedrin. It's purely evil, but we see that the Holy Spirit of God rested upon that of the Kohen Gadol, the head of all of Jewish life. The Holy Spirit said, you know what? This one's for Hashem. This one's for Azazel. Nobody questioned it. The Kohen Gadol did not question it. Because that is where the power of Hashem rested. Let us go to Lekate Halachot again. Two goats. Serim represent CR, hair. A hand's breadth is all that separates between holiness and its opposite. There was just a small hair's breadth indifference between the one for Hashem and the one for Azazel. You know what this reminds me of? The book of Revelation. We have the, the, white, the rider on the white horse. Man, I go to Google right now. If I go to Google and I type in in that Google search right now, is the rider on the white horse Satan or is it Jesus? These two are so diametrically opposed to one another. Much like the goat for Hashem and the one for Azazel. And you know what I'm going to find? Big ministries. Big, big, big ministries saying that is clearly the Satan. The rider on the white horse is clearly the Satan. It is the anti-Messiah. It is so clear. But then I go and I click on the next article down. Another big ministry says it is so clear and so obvious that it is Jesus. It is the Messiah of Israel. And they give all of their evidences, just like the previous gave all of their evidences. And I say to myself, oh my God, this is where we're at in the body of Messiah right now. Where we can't tell the difference between that of Yeshua, who is indeed Hashem, and the Satan. This is scary. That we are at this point, theologically, where it is that good-meaning people are split as to two entities that are diametrically opposed to one another. One is the good guy, the other one is obviously the bad guy. And they're split on if this rider on the white horse is the good guy or the bad guy. It is so interesting to me when I hear people 
you know, the traditional interpretation of the morning star being the Satan. I tell you, you read the passage, the morning star is not the Satan. <laughs> Hate to tell you. But I say to myself, we are in a bad place theologically right now. If this is where we're at and we cannot tell the difference between the Messiah and the anti-Messiah. But it says in the scripture that this is where we will be. The anti-Messiah will come and declare himself as being God. He'll go and do it. People are like, okay, yeah, that, that checks out. Okay. Cool deal. That checks out. Yeshua warns us of this. And many Navi Shekhar, false prophets, will arise and will deceive many. One of Yeshua's apostles, one of his Shalakim, talks at this at a much greater length. Second Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. But there were also Navi Shekhar, false prophets among Am Israel. Just also there were more Shekhar, or false teachers among you. There are false teachers that will secretly bring in heretical doctrine of Kofarim, ba, ba, Bakarim, deni deniers of fundamentals, producing Makshela, as well as heretics, even becoming Mishamud, denying the Rabbeinu Shel Olam who redeemed them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Bringing upon themselves Hova. And many will follow them in walking in Darchei Zema. And because of them, Derecha Emet will be libeled with Lashon Hara. And in their Chomed, greed, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For them be mishpat, of old is not deri, and their chuban does not slumber. We were warned of this. We have been warned about this. Let me tell you how the Holy Spirit has worked in my life. There's many times where it is that I would have an idea of something. I'm kind of piecing things together about the word of God. Trying to figure out what it is that God wants me to do with my life. And what it would happen a lot of the time is I would open up Talmud or read the words of Rabbi Nachman or read, you know, from Archaim or Baltarim or, you know, any of the other great sages of old. And it'd be like that very day. I go and open up their works. I'm doing so. It's like I'm getting the answers that it is I need or I'm being told, look at this. This is in relation to this. This is going to pull you in. And now I'm taking you in this direction.
Sometimes things are confirmed. Sometimes Holy Spirit says, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tweak your thinking a little bit. I'm going to make you see this differently than you think you see it now. I'm going to give you the correction that it is that you need. Let me tell you something. I had to do a lot of work going through conversion, a lot of work going through both of the ordinations that I had once had. A lot of work. Many people would see that amount of work and study and all this if this guy's a Torah scholar. The thing I can tell you is that I have had to be corrected more and more the further it is that I go in my walk. Many people are looking for answers. I want to know the right answer for this. How is it that I do this? What is the correct way to understand this? That way of living for God is not going to help you to advance in your walk with God. That's seeking knowledge. That is seeking to be the smartest person in the room. Scholarship, first of all, should never be diminished. Scholarship is great. It is through scholarship that we can piece together the facts of the ways of old and live them out today. Through looking at primary and secondary citation, they help us out greatly. But however, the Holy Spirit leads you into these truths, leads you into seeking them out, tells you by chance where to look. It causes you to look at yourself and say, this needs to be tweaked within me. Last week in the Torah portions, Tazariya Matzara, we had discussed the Shanhara and its root, which is in that of the Yetzahara, the inner Satan, that needs to be killed on a daily basis. Being first in the Elom Haba means putting yourself last, meaning to not be full of yourself. By realizing that the difference between Hashem and Azazel in terms of the goats is just a hair's breadth. Yeshua said that the path is narrow. The way to destruction is a very wide path. Okay. Is this about having the right theology? No. No. The goats were exactly the same in appearance. The one for Hashem, the one for Azazel are exactly the same in their appearance. What about the guts? What about the heart? What about the liver? What about the pancreas? 
What about its nostril canal, its throat, its stomach? What is in those things? Those are things that we do not see on the surface. But they're the most important parts. A kosher butcher goes and looks at all of those things. The innards of the animal in which it's slaughtered. Yes, this one's okay. This one's deemed kosher. Nope, this one has this going on with the heart or has this going on with the liver. There was this in the stomach. This one is not considered kosher. There's a reason why it is that we wear the tefillin with a talit katan. 90% of the, of the garment is underneath the clothing. It's not seen by the world. The way that our observance, 90% of it isn't seen. A person can dress the dress. They could have the pelt, the long beard, the talikatan. They could even have, you know, an IDF kippah upon them. But when they go home, what is going on there? I'm not saying this so that people become conspiratorial. That is not the mode there. But the thing to realize is that it's the inward that Hashem is looking at. I know so many people who observe halakha to its heights. On the surface, they seem like the goat for Hashem. Getting to know these people in private, I say, mm, it's the goat for Azazel. To go for Azazel. This is the thing to realize. You, you, you hear this teaching and you say, I don't want to go down the wrong path. Maybe it is I need to learn a little bit of Hebrew. I don't know. Maybe it is I need to I, I need to understand how it is that the other side forays into the good and all that other stuff. The thing I could tell you is that if you're going down that route, if you think that there should be division in the Gufa Mashiach, that's not the Holy Spirit speaking to you. It's not. It's not. Are you living for Hashem? Is it about doctrine? Or is it about whether or not you live for Hashem? That's what it is. That shows that the Holy Spirit is working and moving in your life the same way the Holy Spirit worked and moved in the life of the Chohen Gadol. To be able to say, yes, this was for Hashem, this was for Azazel. Guys, I want to thank all of you for joining me here today. I want to wish all of you shalom bracha, peace, and a blessing. We will have the MP3 of this up by tomorrow. If uh, you are a podcast subscriber, if you are not, go over to guitarrabbi.com and become a podcast subscriber. It's absolutely free. All right. Shalom bracha, peace, and a blessing.